Hi, it's Alex, and it's the end of Gay Pride Weekend. We're about to start our episode about dad shaming, and before we get started, I just wanted to send a little message out myself. You know, Gay Pride Weekend is um, exhausting when you have twins and you're schlepping them around all over the place and taking them to this wonderful gay dad's party and that gay dad's party and then walking up and down Santa Monica Boulevard with your kids. It's exhausting, but it's also the warmest and most wonderful experience that you can have when you're a gay man and you have children. To imagine that you could walk around and there's only joy around you. There's only laughing with lesbians and dancing with drag queens and, I don't know, gallivanting with gays. And everybody is happy and and warmly embracing the fact that here you are with children. It's a tremendous experience. But today's episode is about dad shaming. And when we got home from Gay Pride, we got home to a very long email that had been sent to us. You know, we're always encouraging people to send email because we love to hear back. And 99.9% of the time, the messages are amazing. But today, we got an email that was sent about someone who saw me, apparently people now know a little bit who we are, saw me at Starbucks. Uh, I was with one of my kids and my kid kept grabbing each of the pieces of food on the, you know, in the counter. And I raised my voice at him uh, at one point And I said, if you really want to hear something loud, you should not stop grabbing all of the stuff. And he apparently saw that and he wrote this email and The email accused me of abusing my child. The email described a life of physical abuse that he had when he was growing up, the writer of the email, and I guess was suggesting that I was obviously doing the same thing. An accusation like that uh, about me or my husband and these two boys that are the universe to me, these boys that have stretched my soul and my heart and everything that I am. And to hear an accusation like that, just to have it land on my heart the way it did, was um, powerful in a way that perhaps I didn't want to experience. As we were talking about dad shaming in the episode that you'll hear soon, You'll hear me maybe suggest that all shaming is the same, and maybe it is, but it felt particularly painful tonight, tonight of all nights at the end of a pride-filled weekend. So this episode means a little bit more to me now than it did just an hour ago, and I wanted to leave that message with all of you. But also to tell you, I, I love the fact that we're doing this wonderful podcast, me and my husband, and to some extent, our children. And thank you all so much for being part of it. Daddy Squared, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Megan. Hello. This time I'm going to start and say hello. Welcome to Daddy Squared, the Gay Dad's Podcast. I'm Jan. And I'm Alex. It's so funny. We tried it. We tried doing it differently. Let's talk babysitters. Oh. Alex and I are Way to let dying. the air out of my balloon. <laughs> Yeah. Alex and I are dying to get back to life, which means we have to find someone who we can trust to take care of our kids. Now, it's not that we're really picky, right? We're not. I mean, at this point, if Charles Manson showed up at our house and said, you know, would you like me to watch the kids? I'd be like, eh, can I see your driver's license? So it's not that we're too picky. I can speak for myself. I don't know if you guys can relate to it, but I'm a little bit guilty that we pay for babysitters throughout the weekend so we can rest for a few hours both on Saturdays and Sundays but at the same time I want my kids to have fun during the time that I'm resting right or doing whatever I want to do right so the thing is that we have to find a a babysitter who is fun for them that's right who engages them who wants to take them places who isn't who knows how to clean well I mean, yeah, although not, we would let that go. We wouldn't care Not the about house. That. I mean, after the kids. Yeah, I suppose. Remember the last one who just uh, smearing the cheese. I think you're mixing irrelevant points here. I think that what we're really looking for is, can we find a babysitter who is excited to 
to have the children do things and not just there to watch them to make sure they don't hurt themselves. Right. And I think that that's actually really a very difficult thing to come by. And then you pair that with the fact that, you know, the hours that we are looking for to make regular every weekend are probably not hours that are that common, you know, for a babysitter to want to do. So it's hard. And plus, we live in a place which is like battleground for babysitters. You know, it's like... well. People are stealing gay babysitters. Is okay no, too. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. I don't think that it's a matter of the fact that there are gays around or whatever. It's not that. It's it's just that we live where there are a shit ton of parents with kids, and they're all desperately trying to steal each other's babysitters away from. I mean, it's you know, that's the way it is. I think that people who have family and you know lots of friends who really love kids around, and you kind of know which of your friends really want to take care of, of your kids, and which one of them are not so interested in that, um, and you don't want to kind of burden them yep. with them. Plus, if you want to go out, you want to go out with them, right? That's right. That's so right. So you kind of need somebody, I think, on call, which your children will feel uh, comfortable with, and you'll be kind of less guilty about leaving them. Yeah, and look, it's not lost on me, I think it's worth saying here on the podcast that these are actually incredibly good problems to have relative to what some people deal with, yes. where they've never had a babysitter in their lives, and I know, it all but it's, falls and, on them. And, and maybe it's, it's maybe too much of a... It's a rich person problem. Yes. But it's so hard to find good help these days. Oh, whatever will I do? Cook called in sick today, and driver is nowhere to be found. Calm down, Queen. All I wanted to say is that I think we kind of want to do it as a part of working on our relationship and go out and kind of go back to life. Sure. And it's the right time to do it when they're three and a half now and they are basically uh, much more manageable. Manageable. I, I hear you. Manageable. Stop. Today we're continuing with our pride theme and it's Pride Month. And this week we talk about the opposite of pride, which is shame. Yes. Dad shaming. Alex, you know that uh, I posted the other day on Instagram a photo of us with the kids mm. uh, from previous Pride. I think it was from two years ago. And we were uh, holding them with a baby Bjorn yes. stuff. Yes. And this guy commented on the photo, that is the worst way to travel with a baby. And okay. I kind of, I, I, I was hurt. I mean... I felt shamed. It's kind of judging me. First of all, he doesn't have kids. I checked. Oh, really? But then... Um, Maybe he's a pediatrician. Well, I don't know. But, you know, he kind of took the time to say a negative thing. Yeah. And Well, did he also... He didn't recommend the better way to do it. He just said this is the worst way to do yeah, it? The, okay. Basically, the, that we're helpful. the worst parents. That's how well, I took it. Yes, you certainly catastrophized it to that level. I don't think that's quite what he was saying, but whatever. I'm, it's on my list with a couple's therapist. Listen, I mean, I think you and I are a little bit different that way. It does take a, a much higher bar for me to feel shamed or, uh, I mean, I've had the experience. I think we talked about it here on the podcast once with that yes. mother. But, uh, but I, I mean, I say like, okay, so this guy thinks that we're doing that wrong, whatever. Okay, let's talk about it later. Um, after the interview, uh, we have uh, Jeremy Hooper with us. He's a writer, activist, and a father from New York. Uh, we recorded this interview, actually, when we were in New York a couple of weeks ago. Jeremy is also the founder of Good As You, a popular LGBT rights website. He works as a political consultant and strategist, creating, maintaining research projects for human rights campaign and GLAAD. And other organizations. He's really um, f fun to talk to, and he had written about dad shaming before, and we talked about the whole recent stories with uh, Andy Cohen, who were kind of raised the whole dad shaming to the to a national discussion on you know gossip websites and morning yeah. TV shows. Yeah, we'll. Uh, I think I'll I'll withhold my point of view on the overall genre of dad shaming until we come back from the interview. Um, But uh, first, let's make sure that we hear a word from our sponsor. I love saying a word from our sponsor. That's so cool. It's, it's more than a couple of words. Well, yeah, it's, it's English. We say a word from our sponsor. Are you ready to become a dad? Surrogacy is a wonderful way to grow your family. Circle Surrogacy was founded by a gay dad through surrogacy and has been helping gay singles and couples become parents for over 20 years. Because surrogacy is an emotional and financial investment, finding the right agency to partner with you and support you on your journey is very important. 
Circle Surrogacy believes that everyone should have the opportunity to be a parent. Learn more at circlesurrogacy.com. I have to say, I've gotten to the place where that is smooth as silk. I do a circle surrogacy, uh, you know, uh, spot like nobody's business. Thank you very much. Circle. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> Circle. Circle. Write to us if you have stories about that shaming or whatever. Just drop us a line. We love hearing from you and just, you know, be in touch. Um, you can write to us at hello at daddysqr.com or on Instagram at the Gay Dads Podcast. And I'm not sure you guys realize just how much what you write back has an effect on our podcast. You know, we're we're trying to do something here that is about this community and it you know, we we can't pull all of it out of our butt. Some of it has to actually come from from you guys. So please help us figure out how to move this thing forward and make it really valuable. I mostly pull it out of my butt. That's not true. Some of it comes out of my butt. All right. While we've had that really meaningful conversation, let's listen to the interview. Okay, here's Jeremy Hooper. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. And you? A bit closer. Okay. We're here to talk about the subject that um, both Alex and I feel very attached to and close to, and it's dad shaming. And Alex is kind of a little bit, feels awkward about the phrase itself. Well, let's start out by asking, are you familiar with the phrase, do you think it's a thing? I do think it's a thing. And then I also use, um, in addition to dad shaming, I use it's what I feel its cousin is uh, what I call mom-splaining, where it's sometimes it's um, not necessarily a shaming for being a dad, but it's a necessary, it's a, um, I know better because I'm a, a mom. I, I've experienced more, I would say I've experienced more of that, but I've definitely experienced both. What about gay dad shaming? Is there something special to the fact that I'm a gay dad in terms of uh, uh, the conflict I might experience from women or straight men in, in my parenting? And how does it differ from standard gay dad shaming? I think it's hard to know. And I think in New York, it's even harder to know because everyone tells you everything here. So I know that you know, even my straight mom's got a lot of, your kid needs a hat, your kid, you know, they'll stop you on the street here and just tell you how it is. But I think it's sometimes hard to know. I've definitely had moments, playground run-ins, preschool clashes, uh, nannies who will say things. And I do wonder, like, would you have said that if I were a mom? Probably not. But would you have said that if I were a straight dad sitting next to a mom? I don't know. You know, um, sub- I think it's more subconscious if it's, right. if it's a gay dad thing versus just a dad thing. Um, but I think it's hard to know because I don't think people are as overt with, you know, making it gay specific for the most part. Do you, did you encounter any? <laughs> what, I was thinking on my way over here, one, one that really sticks out to me is I am, my, my child was maybe four months old. And I've been with her since birth. I, I cut the cord. So I've been the only, um, my husband and I have been the only caregivers she's ever had. And we, I was burping her in a, in a restaurant at a party and someone's mom came over and physically grabbed my hand and redirected the way I was rubbing oh. her back. And that was one of those questions. Like definitely you would not have done to, to a mom, even if the mom was were banging the kid, you know, in an inappropriate <laughs> way. But would you have done that if I were a straight dad sitting next to the wife watching on as my husband was watching on, but she right. felt for free reign, and I, I didn't know this mom at right. all. <laughs> free reign to grab my hand and redirect so, it. So, for you personally, what was your reaction to that? Uh, not good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, 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 and again, this was you know three or four months when I wasn't sleeping. I was primary caregiver of my child, and um, I, I, di- I didn't, I didn't love it. I don't remember exactly what I said, but she, she did acknowledge. She did say something to the effect of like, "Oh, I think I've offended you," or, right. or something. She could tell in my eyes. <laughs> I think, I think one of the great. Uh, in this subject, one of the great benefits that I have is that I have so little pride in my own child rearing that uh, I'm not very easily offended by other people's suggestions. Yeah. But but at the same time, yeah, I, I, I understand where it comes from. I would tend to, to think that when it comes to the gay dad aspect, um, you know, we're... 
it's more likely that when there's shaming on that front, it's going to cross way over into the area of how could you bring a child into the world without a woman around? Absolutely. Not so much the burping subject mm-hmm. as really crossing over into the morality zone of the thing. Well, and so all most of my gay dad shaming has, and I've encountered a lot of it online from um, from my more of my past when I used to really challenge these anti-gay activists when my child was born. Um, both the Human Rights Campaign and GLAAD issued congratulatory posts about my child being born. And when we were still in the hospital with her, I got anti-LGBT activists on Twitter saying things like, this is so sad, no mother for this child. And going, I mean, that's just a, a weird thing to experience when you're feeding a newborn baby sure, and you're yeah. in this lovely little bubble of new life. So I've, I've experienced a lot of it that way um, from many anti but not really in not really in real life not so much um and maybe that's just uh, the good thing about living in new york <laughs> yeah. where people don't feel so um free to talk openly here but definitely in the online space that's right. happened to me yeah right i i, I also wonder about the f- the the question i mean I, it is a little bit of an intellectual one but so what's the problem with you being a gay man who's brought a child into the world as opposed to a single man mm-hmm. who has brought a child into yeah. the world. We're, I mean, obviously, disgust with homosexuals mm-hmm. is a perfectly adequate explanation yeah. of that. But if you, were to, if you were to try to go into their mindset, do they have an explanation mm-hmm. for why they've got a problem with your homosexuality versus your manness? Yeah. I think for an anti-LGBT activist specifically, it would be a viewpoint they they believe that not only are we we raising this child as gay men, but we are raising this child as gay men who want to raise a child to accept other LGBT people. Right. We're going to raise the viewpoint the way they raise with maybe their own version of evangelical Christianity, and I think they have trouble separating that. And you know, and it's, I I was raised in a <laughs> not particularly pro LGBT household, and I have, was at a very young age I was countering my parents. So obviously. Um, your children don't get all of your viewpoints from you anyway, but I think that is their big fear that if we are out there and showing ourselves to the world and showing ourselves to our community as quote unquote normal, then their greatest fears will be realized. Sure. I mean, Same thing and, we're seeing with now Pete Buttigieg and his husband on the cover. They don't, they, they, those, Im- those images are powerful and they know yeah, that. They're incredibly powerful yeah. and successful. I mean, and there can be no doubt. I mean, we're going to let a little secret out into the public right now. We are raising our children in an environment which, you know, if you were to believe that you can contribute to a child's homosexuality, we're pretty much making it a sure thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe that, that, that that's the case, but uh, Lord knows there's a, you know, Madonna and 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 uh, Kylie Minogue and all of these ladies are parading all over our house all the time, and you know there's no escaping it. Yeah, yeah, we wish they were there in person. (laughs) So there's two types of uh, of that shaming, as far as I see it. It's like the woman part, Mm -hmm. where women who like feel free to kind of say whatever they want, and anti-gay people. And you have suffered from both sides. Yeah, I mean, again, the the anything that's happened in real life has been very has been relatively mild. I've been lucky in in that respect. Um, but yeah, on online, it's it's been particularly bad. I did an interview with CNN a few years back, and um, I did what you're never supposed to do. I looked at the comments for a brief second, <laughs> and it's just no. like the people feel so free. To, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's 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 a little nuts, and you do forget that. I, I've been incredibly fortunate. In fact, in, in my preschool world, I'm I'm the parent that the other moms trust the most. I'm the one who's regularly sounding out, si- signing out kids and taking them on play dates. And but that that came with just proving myself as a parent. Right. And yeah. I think that was um you know the the proof of just being a good parent and and showing and leading by example. They couldn't deny um mm-hmm. me. But but um you know I don't I don't know I don't know what what little run-ins I've had have have been um, sparked by what they perceive in me as being, um, you know, not a dad who's wearing a suit and going home to his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I personally come home and have a scotch and ignore the children for the first three hours. <laughs> None of that that I just described has ever happened, but it just sounds good in my own head. Um, you, you know what What I'd like to ask is, um, do you also think that there is a reverse effect? Do you think that there are, you know, 
in New York and in L.A. and in some of the centers. Um, do you think that there is actually an overcompensation in the opposite direction occasionally where uh, a gay dad gets this kind of glorification? Yes. Um, I mean, personally, I'm all for it. Yeah. But have you experienced that yourself? A million percent. Yeah, there's a lot of um, trying to prove how how accepting you are and how sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll have some friends at preschool who just come up and they strike me a conversation and I'm their best friend and I'm kind of like, I don't really remember your name. I'm sorry, you're lovely. And I'm kind of thinking, why this outsized interest? And that's definitely part of it. We actually just went through the private school process in New York, getting our kid into kindergarten, which is a year-long process and it's everything you've heard it is. Did, 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 did you... Um, Photoshop their faces onto crew pictures. And pay <laughs> no, we for did not. A we did not aunt Becky the situation. Okay. To check. Please go ahead. Uh, fortunately, we didn't need to, but we uh, we did experience some of you know the, the, those events where other parents come up and they're like, "We have four other gay dads," and we're like, I'm like "We believe you." I, I would just hope you do, and they would try to um, prove their 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 pro LGBT. Um, realities and and i i kind of was like i i hope so (laughs) we live in new york um so there's some of that but that's just charming i i I can't begrudge anybody that i think it's i think it's charming too i mean it sometimes makes you feel a little bit awkward but Mm -hmm. on the other hand it's it's lovely that we live in a world where that kind of of thing is happening Going back to the other side, mm. so look, there's hatred and vitriol. I don't know that there's really much to do about that. But what about what I perceive as this wide swath of confusion, um, ignorance, but mild mm-hmm. ignorance? What do you do when you experience uh, these kinds of, let's call it dad shaming, but perhaps on the light side? Do you ignore it or do you try to teach? Do you try to, you know, make the world a better place through communication with this person? I think if I'm by myself, I try to just laugh it off more and just kind of say, oh, okay, and that's just sort of get out of the conversation as quickly as I can, especially if it's a stranger. But if I'm in front of my child, I feel an obligation to always explain. And we've had a couple of those um, situations on the subway where someone will say, like, Oh, your 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 mom must be so proud of you, or or it's Daddy's Day Out, and where's your mom in Savannah? And my child will say, No, 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 I have two daddies. And sometimes, I mean, once in a while, someone will give like a Oh, that's and ask further questions. And I always feel a need to clarify and make sure I'm setting the right example and saying the right things in front of her because I don't want her to. She is proud as can be as first two daddies, <laughs> and I want to make sure I I match that. And my own, you know, I grew up in the rural South where you know I still have some embedded you know internalized homophobia as we all do and i to make sure that i don't let that manifest and that i set the the example for even if it's extremely uncomfortable and it can be an uncomfortable situation sometimes but i feel like um but i do feel like for me personally just for my own self-preservation if it comes up in my day-to-day life and i and she's not with me and i'm by myself i i try to just get out of the conversation i i'm not the best teacher in real life as i should be when i'm Mm -hmm. um when when i'm with her so without her sorry so you think you should be um when I'm with her, absolutely, I think I should be. And it depends on the space. I mean, it depends on, you can you can kind of read the person. If I were uh, in a classroom setting, if I were with my peers, if I were um, certainly in a political setting, I would absolutely make that case. But if I'm just in my day-to-day life and it seems like the person is coming at me in some sort of a hostile way, then um, I, I, I'm a little more into self-preservation these days and self-care than I, I it's something I've started to learn about myself that I need a little more self-care than I used to give myself. Um, and now, I've learned to not always engage. Now that you're a father. Now I'm a father. And yeah. Reaching a certain age and just, I, yeah. I don't, I don't engage every, I, I learned that I don't have to engage every single battle now. And it's, it's, it was, that's hard for me. Right. Especially coming from my activist background. Um, so I, I, that's, yeah, but, but definitely again, the most important was in front of her. I always want to make sure that she doesn't feel any sort of, I don't want any of that internalized shaming to creep into her. Right. Yeah. And she, so far, she ha- has not experienced any of that. We've had, we've been wonderfully blessed in her preschool class. We had another, we had a lesbian couple as well. And for her, it it could not be more of a, a normal thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I just want to keep that and not let anything, because I know she's eventually going to encounter something. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to sound like, but she's going to encounter something. I want to make sure that she also has the tools right. to, to I would divide the dad shaming to more homophobic on the on the online side mm-hmm. and more like of a mom explaining mm-hmm. on the real life side. Do you yeah. 
Absolutely. I think so. So what do you do on the online side? Do you answer that? Do you behave the same? Um, I, I, that's also, I've changed my Twitter practices. I used to be someone who would, um, I, I don't care if you had five followers and if you said something wrong, I would go rounds with you. And I'd keep going, I'm like, what am I doing? Um, now my new thing is to say something very sweet, say, oh, I'm sorry, you feel that way. And then I hit the mute button and I don't right. engage. If it's someone prominent, then, then okay, I have to make an example for him, and then I send it to Glad, and we make a whole thing. Yeah, right. that's that's a different thing. Um, but if it's a random person, I, I follow the don't argue down um, right. uh, maxim, and and if it's someone with now with five followers who's just being, um, I actually. Um, Actually, Pete Buttigieg's husband has a homophobic brother who's been coming after him on Twitter. Wow. And I did I did engage him the other day. That must was, be a nice Thanksgiving. <laughs> exactly, right? He has two of them, I think. But one of them has been and particularly really vocal. They'll like tweet Franklin Graham stuff about him and they'll, I, I, it's yeah. really bad. So that's going to eventually, that's kind of under the radar right now. But I engaged him the other day and just said, very nicely. And I said, you know, he, he was basically saying, this isn't bigotry. And I'm like, well, it is. <laughs> you don't get to actually say it's yeah. not. And um, so... Those, 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 those situations I would still engage to make the broader point, mm -hmm. but right. I don't think you have to engage everybody. What does glad, glad work um, on this side? Um, I mean, glad they, they, um, they don't do all that much, much work on parenting specifically, but um, you know, the head of glad is the parent herself. So she's personally very, um, very committed to making sure that we include everyone in, in the, you know, in the picture of what a family looks like. And they, they do lots of, you know, work just about family acceptance in general. But in terms of, of just parenting, they don't do a, a, a ton of work on that. The Family Equality Council typically yeah. does most of that work. Um, you know, I think what's what's been really interesting in the <laughs> development of my gayness over the last 150 years is uh, I've noticed that um, in each of the steps of my life, um, the impact on straight people, especially straight people who don't have a lot of exposure to gays, um, the impact that I've been able, the positive impact that I've been able to have on them has increased with each incredibly boring standard life stage that I have embraced. So as I went from um, a gay man who came out of the closet to a gay man who came out of the closet with a proper legit job, I got some brownie points with the straight world. As I went from that to a married man, I got brownie points for that. And boy, did I hit the mother load when I had kids, right? All of a sudden, it's very, very difficult for um, straight people, maybe not the hardcore homophobes, but for the general mm -hmm. population to look at me and say, you're a wacko, yeah. right? I mean, I am a wacko, but that's not the point. The, and, and so there's, there's this um, library, Beverly Hills Library, that has a really fun place for little kids to play. And I used to bring my twins there alone on you know the nights that i had the kids by myself and uh it it is it is peopled almost entirely by iranian jewish women who are there with their children and they would see me and first would be the shock that there's a man alone with his children at all that that was the first then when they would talk to me and they would find out that i was gay they would lose their minds. They they didn't understand what this was. They couldn't process the whole idea that there was no woman in the picture at all. Um, but what I found was you talk to them for five minutes and they would see that everything about your life was pretty much identical to what they were accustomed to and it would break down barriers like nobody's business. And so what I wonder is what value can um, a gay married person with children provide that a single gay man cannot in the fight, whatever the fight is. Yeah. I, I also em embrace our, uh, our, our boring life of, mm -hmm. um, I, I sometimes think I disappoint some of my women friends sometimes who expect me to be like, let's go to a drag show. And I'm like, no, let's go to a diner and go to bed early. Uh, I, in my personal life, I um, also have had those, those same sort of, going from young club kid to guy with a job to married guy. And I've had the same ones um, for my family. Personally, none of those things clicked for them. I come from a, my biological family is very unaccepting until I had a kid. 
They never met my husband. They weren't at our wedding. But then when I had a kid, it clicked. And that's when my husband finally met my mom and my uh, sister and my nephew and niece were just in New York recently. And we had a wonderful family dinner. And that was all because of of having a kid. It changed everything. It, um, you know, for one thing, she's a lot of fun and they wanted to be in her life. But it also just showed that, wow, you know, we are just like you. We, we are going through the same experiences that my older siblings went through. So I do think that um, there's something just so, there's something so human that you have to give yourself when you, when you are a parent. There's so many, um, you know, wiping of faces and grabbing of hands and all the human instincts that come into play that it's, it's hard to deny when you see someone in the act of parenting it's hard to deny them as your fellow human. Do you think that this kind of new world of pretty broad gay parenting, gay men parenting, um, do you think that its impact will flow back into the larger gay population from the perspective of the straight world? Or do you think that it can result in an isolation that says, well, yeah, for those gay dads, they've come over to the normal side. We don't know what they're doing in the bedroom, but they're generally, they're normal, but all these others are crazy. Yeah. Or can it really have a broadening effect on the entire, on the way the entire gay population is seen? Because if you're a little bit homophobic, you can find wonderful ways of bifurcating these Mm -hmm. things. What do you think? I think for us and in our lifetimes, um, I believe, I think we will probably have that bifurcation. I think for the younger generation, it can't help but have a, a, a broader effect. It's going to, for my kid and her friends, it's it's already, you see it every day. Not only, you know, even older generations up through, I would say up through high school now, they've been raised with such imagery right. of this that, again, going back to when we were touring these schools this past fall, meeting, meeting these seniors in high school who now, you know, that, what does that mean? They were born in... 2000? I oh, mean, they've, yeah, God. exactly. I know it's frightening. Um, I learned my class, my kid is the class of 2032, which is <laughs> crazy. Um, but so I think that you already see it. I, they, they, it's not even, uh, it, it, it is, they're not, they're not excited to be taking gay dads on a tour. They're like, okay, right. Big deal. Like, yeah. Yeah. But it's not even a thing. And I know that's almost a cliche to say it's not even a thing. And I think for a while we said that and we were maybe a little ahead of the, the game, but now it's truly not a thing. It's, <laughs> Um, so I think that, I, th- I think that, it, I think for us, it, it is, it's going to be, I don't think we will ever get past being raised the way we were raised. Right. I don't think mm-hmm. we will ever, but I think it will have to have a broadening effect. So you're saying we have to die off. That's <laughs> nice. Thank that you. is my nice way of saying <laughs> that we are the dinosaurs. Yes. How old is your kid now? Five, right? She's five and a half. Yeah. Did you have her through surrogacy or? We adopted. Yes. Adopted. adopted. Yes. How did it came about? Um, we we did a private adoption and we had a, a we matched beautifully. Um, there's only so much I can talk about for for legal reasons, but um, it was a, a story that I would not have been bold enough or um, yeah, bold enough to write for myself because it was it's it's truly the loveliest adoption story you can imagine. Did you wait a long time? Uh, no, it from happened the, shockingly fast. Wow, wow. From the time of us um, meeting with our lawyers to talk about this until her birth, it was exactly a year. Mm-hmm. From the time of us matching to her being born was three months. And so how long uh, since you uh, got married did you think about We were married and uh, we always, we had planned to have kids from the time we first met, which was 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been married for 10 years this June. Oh. So it's about five years before, um, between our marriage and her birth. And how long have you been doing the work with GLAD? I started working with GLAD in 2011. We created a number of projects. Most of them were focused on holding anti-LGBT pundits accountable. Mm-hmm. Basically, our project was saying, um, it's okay to book these people, but if you book them, here's what you need to know about them, and don't let them off the hook for the things they've said. And it was a very powerful project. I started working with them. That's cool. And then I, I, I took some time off just to be a father. Mm-hmm. And then after the election, they asked me to come back to do work specifically on, on Trump and this administration. Who's that? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Heard the guy. Um, so that, but, that work's been difficult, but necessary. So when your kid were born, you were shamed by lots of homophobic people. Did you immediately contact Glad? What, what did he 
think How they probably count? just saw most of that because it was um, our approach has always been to at least let everyone see it and let you see the ugly truth. I see. Of, I don't know. I, I guess there's something about when, when someone's in the hospital with their child and you know that they're, I mean, especially if you've been a parent before and you know what that's like. And I don't care how rabid you are. I can't imagine the lack of humanity that goes into shaming someone. It's, yeah. <laughs> Honest to God, if when we were in the hospital, if like Strom Thurmond had come out of the grave and was like standing in front of the building screaming that, you know, I'm a hateful person, I wouldn't have even noticed because yeah. I was, you know, busy being in shock. I know. But I understand what you're Those talking about. Those damn Twitter about. alerts, they come to your, uh, you know, because I guess this person had a high enough profile that, you know, sometimes if it's like someone with a verified profile, it will come directly to you oh, as a message. Oh. And yeah, no, it did, but I will clarify, it did not affect me in the sense that it kind of, I was kind of humored by it. It almost made me feel like, all right, I guess I'm a important enough person yeah. that you're going to care. Yeah. But, um, and it just, it was one of those again. It's, I think it's any nine out of I would say even a lot of people who are on our side would see that and still think that was pretty awful to, yeah. right. to go after a, a new father. I'm yeah. scared by it. I mean, we didn't get uh, we didn't get it personally, but when we started doing the podcast, then it started. I mean, people actually mm-hmm. make an effort to go on our page and leave really disgusting comments and. We're going to have a reading. (laughs) (laughs) I'm terrified. I mean, I... I, Are you? Are you terrified? I am. When a person... We're interviewing each other now. (laughs) Yeah, when a person comes to us and and described in details what he thinks we're doing to our kids, yeah, I'm terrified. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I think it's a, a mindset thing, and I... I'm blessed by having grown up in, you know, incredibly progressive areas uh, my whole life. But also you don't see these because I kind of block them from you. Oh, thank you. That's nice. (laughs) You know, there's this guy uh, at real Donald something or other that just keeps sending us these nasty (laughs) messages. Uh, But anyway, um, but I I guess I look at it and I say, I mean, I've look, I've been I've had horrible things said to me as a gay man, as a Jew. And I generally just say, you know, meh. Is there an instru- some sort of an instructions from Glad on what to do when you get? I mean, not specifically for us as you know, as as a podcast people, but yeah. overall in general, what to do when when we encounter such such a comment? Yeah, I you have to. There's there's always a fine line about if it's. Um, do you want to do you want to raise this profile of, of this hateful person is it is it worth engaging is is uh, engaging going to make it worse for other people who see it is it going to you know be meaning both the young gay kid who sees it or the other um, the group think um, anti-lgbt activist who might be like yeah let's pile on so there is there's a little bit of that um, Again, I think everyone is focused now in, in this in this age since since Trump. I think everyone's focused on self care a lot more than we used to be. I know personally, I am. I think there's so much toxicity out there now that you have to um, you have to you have to look after yourself. So I, I do think that looking after yourself and your family. And I know for me personally, since being a dad, which pretty much coincides with the Trump era, I also am. I'm less willing. I, I'm more afraid than I used to be. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm less willing to just put myself out there and put my family out there. I don't post yeah. nearly as many pictures of her publicly. I never have identified where she goes to school. Right. I, I, I am careful with that stuff, and I don't think I would have been as much before. Um, Glad does not have an official recommendation. It's more of a case-by-case basis. I, I feel like there's a huge power that the allies of gays can play in that exact scenario. So responding as a gay man to this stuff is has some dangers associated mm-hmm. with it. It also just means you're exposing yourself to more misery. My straight friends, my the the allies of the gay community have a kind of opportunity um, right. that we don't, which is you, you can't scream at the guy for being a straight man with children, but he can tear you apart for your homophobia in a way that, uh, you know, that is independent or, or parallel to the gay community. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's, the more we can get their support in this area, the the better off we are. Well, one thing that we are focusing on on more behind the scenes and glad right now with the upcoming election is how to make sure that, you know, most of the candidates who are running on the Democratic side are pro-LGBT. Some of them have some stuff in their past, but what we're focused on is how to make sure that they are always a great ally. Recently, when the Supreme Court case that's forthcoming was announced, um, 
we were monitoring who who stepped out and said something about this because we need you to be in front of this stuff and not just rest on your laurels of being I support marriage equality I support this and that we need you to actually be a good ally and I think there is a case to be made for stronger allyship and what that looks like I was actually very happy before I came over here I was looking that people did it who I keep I feel like I'm advocating for the guy, but isn't it Buttigieg? Is you it can say Buttigieg? I think Buttigieg or Buttigieg. He's going to have to change yeah. his name to become president. <laughs> we'll just call him Mayor right. Pete for now. Right. He uh, last night he was heckled at a speech, and um, you know he said like, okay, whatever he said about it. But Beto O'Rourke came out and said, we don't do that here. We don't. We don't. We were glad to have him in Texas. You know, this is his rival, right. But his friend and someone that he 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 took the opportunity to be an ally there, and I thought right. that was a powerful thing to do. Yeah. They'll be great friends until they become the last two people, <laughs> and then Buttigieg will tear him apart. That's true. And vice versa. But sure, in the meantime, but for it's now, lovely. our shit. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Andy Cohen, because I think it sparked the, the kind of the dad shaming uh, phrase, uh, whatever happened with him. And I felt a little bit, I mean, I'm not a fan of his show, but, you know, when I saw all the comments, like, uh, how could you take your newborn in a plane? How could you place your baby in a crib with a pillow? You know, stuff like that. Like oh, every single thing, every single thing, it kind of reminds me, really reminds me. He got it a lot online. I, I got it personally from my Jewish family. Um, so... What do you think about that? How would you tackle that comment? Well, yeah, I can only imagine what Andy Cohen's getting because not only is he a gay man and a single gay man, but he's also known as someone who's out and about. I know that I, yeah. I saw something where um, I think he was out for a drink or something, and someone being like, oh, well, why are you doing out for a drink? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, well, I, 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 know <laughs> I know straight parents who are out a week after having a baby. It's not So I can imagine he gets it even another level that he gets – single man, gay man, man, and then famous man, and right, famous right. man who's known as being a bit of a party boy, um, who we all know, we see him once, we know where he is when he's yeah. asleep at 11 o'clock every night or whatever time his show comes on. Um, yeah, I, I think that he probably deals with it with, with humor and, and um, a certain amount of grace that he has to have just from being in the public eye that he's probably learned to deal with over time. Um, I... I I think I would that would have that would have troubled me. I I, I kind of laid low a little bit when I was a, a new parent. I sort of felt, felt like I was in the trenches, and I I, I lowered my profile intentionally because mm -hmm. I, I I I needed to be a, a strong warrior and advocate for this this child, and and I also needed to to do what I needed to do to get through my days. And I I it would have it would have troubled me to be a, a, a highly public person at that time i actually went on megan kelly's fox news show um about my child was it was in december so my child was three months old and i had to go face not really face to face because uh, the anti the anti-lgbt activist tony perkins would not go up against me he, he demanded we go back to back oh. um which i loved because that's just <laughs> that new that was, that was all i needed did you to know. say it the did you say it on well, the producer told me this, that Tony refuses to go on with you because they knew I would hold him accountable for what he said. So they did my segment, they did his segment, but I was still on mic. So okay. I was able to, but I- You could, you could talk back while oh, he was I in this. And, and I, I'd been told, by the way, beforehand that Megan was on my side of this. And so I, I, I thought she was- um, You can, by the way, you can see she was such a bullshitter. She, she wanted her place in the sun and her politics were much closer <laughs> to our side than she ever made out because she wanted to be the big shot that she- I was told she was on my side and she was absolutely lovely to me in the yeah. studio. Um, and that's what I'll say about that. But I was, <laughs> I was so tired and you can see it. I mean, you can watch the clip. It's online. I was so tired. And I, I was like, I have a kid and he's, I was, I was just kind of emotional wreck on the show. But it, I think it was kind of in a good way. But, um, and so that see. was, um, and, but, but after that, but by, by the time I was in the green room after the segment, I had, all of these. It was about Duck Dynasty. I don't remember that controversy. Oh, yeah. God, and I had yes. still saying, I want to take you out hunting with my shotgun. And like saying these like oh, that's horrid so things, you know, yeah. horrid things just implying, um, you know, when you go on Fox News, you get you get such things. Yeah. And that was my one taste of what being ultra public in that space looked like. And I, I didn't want any more. I was actually called yeah. to book another segment with another Fox News host a couple of days later, and I declined. I, oh. I, I wasn't going to put myself through it again. Um, do you know if uh, Glad stepped in on Andy Cohen thing? I do not know personally. Okay. But yeah, that that um, that I, I don't know of. Um, 
I, I'm sh- I'm sure they're aware of it, but I don't know if they. I was always wondering if the whole like women preaching on men it's kind of rooted in our cultures from you know even from TV shows like The Simpsons where the wife is smart and the husband is yeah. stupid. It's funny how ingrained that is. I, we um, and we're in extremely progressive circles. My children, my child attends an extremely progressive school, but you still see so many of those sort of. Um, stereotypical role still in place of like, oh, he's just a dad and the the, the mom has uh, this role and that role. It's it's interesting how um, ingrained those are. And I think that's another one of those questions is it because of we have been raised in such a way that none of us can really, I don't know if we're able to drop those, those biases that we have ingrained in us. So I got to go sociological, anthropological with you for just a mm-hmm. second. Sure. And and it's it's certainly a controversial yeah. question. Is there any chance that women have something going for them in parenting that is different fundamentally than what men do? I mean, are we really in a place where we've decided, nope, men and women exactly the same when it comes to parenting, no difference? Um, I personally don't feel that much difference i um i know that women talk about when they give birth feeling a, a change in themselves in in the delivery room i know that we had had a, a couple of prenatal visits um where the doctor had asked me are you ready to, to be a parent and i would go oh yeah i will be kind of and i would stumble over my words <laughs> and then in the room she asked me are you ready right before my child was born and i said i and i said yes i am and f- from the first feeding and from the first, I, I, I felt such a change in me and it felt just such a, the, the weight of responsibility for me is what made me a parent, knowing that this job's never ending. It's, it, I am the one who has to have the answers now. I'm not looking to another person to do it. For me, I felt a, a huge shift. Now, do I think that women are inherently more nurturing? I, I, maybe, yes. Do I think that there are certain things that women can provide that men can't? There are obvious ones. Right. But I do think that uh, parenting itself, I, I also know some women who have no desire to be parents at Should, all, and some who are parents who don't love it. Shouldn't be. Yeah. And, by, and I'm not speaking out turn. They would admit it. They're yeah. like, I don't, I I want to go back to work. My nanny is impressive. She's wonderful, and she loves it. Um, I am not great being home. So I, 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 th- I think there's, um, there's gray area. Right. But um, I, I do think there are. There, I, I do think women in general are more nurturing. Absolutely. See, see, I think you can't, you shouldn't ever narrow this stuff down to the individual because each individual can be yeah. radically different than sure. the next. But I also think that in the in the battle, we do sometimes we on the um, gay side or the whatever side, we we make a mistake, which is we want to oversimplify. We want the story to be, what do you mean? Man, woman, exactly the same. Everything's the same. Well, maybe it's Maybe it's not, and maybe that's okay. Maybe what we can say is that, you know, we don't really, there are definitely differences, but we don't really understand what those differences mm-hmm. are clearly enough. And, you know, let's let's learn mm-hmm. together. I, I feel like uh, it adds a level of complexity that maybe GLAD and other organizations don't want to um, represent because it is a confusing story. Mm-hmm. But I also think we miss an opportunity by not sort of embracing something that the other side says that has some truth to it. I yeah. mean, there are differences and we should probably look into what they are. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I also think we also have to acknowledge that I think in any, no one, no parent comes to the table with the guidebook and I think everyone has their deficits. Yeah. And I, we all bring different deficits to the table based on our own upbringing, based on our own cultural biases, based on our socioeconomic status, whatever we, what is. So I think relying on your community of parents, I do think that's fair to be open to that and say like, look, I need to learn this from you. I know I think a lot about when my kid goes, when she, as she gets older, we're, we're actually sending her to a girl's school because we, we would like oh. to have strong, we choose women for uh, every doctor or dentist ever. We always choose women and um, we're, we're sending her to a girl's school for a lot of reasons. It's a fine school, but it's, that's one, when she gets older, I want her to have these women around her for the questions that we're not gonna be able to answer. Right, right. And I think a lot about that and I do try to surround her. So I, I recognize that deficit in myself and in my, with my husband that we need to surround her with a community that will provide her what we can't provide. I think that's, an amazing way of looking at it. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, you stopped blogging, did you? 
I, I, I blog for Glad now. I do a okay. lot more um, op-ed writing. And I do a little bit of ghostwriting and, and behind-the-scenes writing. That comes from my need to not – I don't want to be as public right now. But I'm actually – my new thing, I'm actually writing children's books. I actually oh. have um, a manuscript that's about to go on submission. So wish me uh, oh, luck with luck. a fast sell. I'm actually slightly political, these books, but in a, in a very light and fun Excellent. way. So that's my passion. So I'm still writing very okay. much. I don't update good as you. My, my blog is as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, just for you know I, you might be busy well, a little busy i also I, my plan there was actually i was going to end it on the day we won marriage because for me i started the first day i ever wrote a blog post was on george w bush's second inauguration so going from that span to when we won marriage that would have been a nice little yeah artifact yeah. to have of this daily coverage that i have and actually i've been focusing on ways that i can archive all that because i have I have pieces of audio that we now accept as being part of the LGBT world that are, are only because they're on my site. Like if they go away, they're gone. Right. right. So I, I want I, I want to archive that and, and find a way to make that a, a more cohesive project. But um, I occasionally do a, a blog for Glad still though. Yeah. Jeremy, thank you so much yeah, for you. coming. This was great. It yeah, was really time. great. Thank you. Thank you. So we have mom's planning in real world and gay dad homophobia and dad shaming on the internet. Charming. Yeah, I'm going to tell you that like we're in a period of time politically and socially where we're spending an awful lot of energy um, categorizing the nastiness that exists in the world. Everything has to be categorized. It has to be dad shaming or mom shaming we've now crossed over into gay dad shaming and we're talking about everything in terms of this race or that religion or this gender or and i start to wonder like or or and then we get into, i want to do then, gay dad splaining well then right moms. then we get into splaining now there's there's mansplaining well what does mansplaining mean can a woman mansplain i've checked with women the answer is yes a woman can mansplain well that means that they're just being a prick so instead of saying it's mansplaining why not just say don't be a prick so i feel like the same thing applies to this subject look um parents judge each other and parents are nasty towards each other sometimes and that's wrong and they shouldn't do it and the fact that sometimes those parents are men and that sometimes those parents are gay men to me is not a particularly special um you know a uh, a uh, 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 criminal act when you're when you're nasty to a gay dad as opposed to being nasty to a dad as opposed to being nasty to a mom and we should probably get rid of the classifications and just say stop being nasty well i understand that but i have to say that leaving nasty comments that shows usually knowledge of the one who's leaving the comment yeah um knowledge of what's better quote unquote yeah that makes them feel good about themselves sure. right so but that doesn't... i don't think they consider what the how the other side is is feeling like there's no compassion in look here. the the internet is um a really nasty place if for no other reason that you don't actually have to face the person that you're criticizing it's also a good place an amazing place yeah and so i don't like when people speak badly about the internet because it it is whatever you want it to Poor be internet feelings get hurt when you say nasty things about her is she a she the internet or a he it's anyway. like god It's a it doesn't, God. It, it doesn't, it doesn't have, have it has no gender. a gender. It's Q. Yes. <laughs> All I wanted to say is that the struggle is real, and we can't point on a parent who doesn't want to raise a happy, healthy kid. Sure. So leaving bad comments just make other people feel bad. That's all. I, I of course, I agree with you. I think that there's, there is another side to it, which is that um, if... If you have a judgment or a criticism, um, if it can be and, and, and you're bringing it from your heart because you actually care about the other person and that person's child, there are probably ways to present that. Look, let's go way back to episode, who knows which one, where we talked about Anbasol. 
Remember the Anbasol discussion? This was that stuff that you put on the kids' teeth when they're teething. And we talked about a situation we had in Target where we had just read about how that teething gel is not a good idea to... It's killed two babies at the same week. Okay. Um, That it was not a good idea to give that to babies. And we saw this couple... Um, who was checking out right in front of us, and we didn't know what to do. Should we say it to them? In the end, I did, right? Now, I tried to do it in a way that was as warm and constructive as possible, but you know what? They could have gotten in the car after they left. By the way, they bought the Anbasol. They could have gotten in the car, and they could have been really hurt, and they could have said, how dare this? Who is this person to tell us? Why would they judge us this way? And here's the problem. It was so dearly from my heart. It was so much just because, oh, my God, what if they don't know and something Yeah, I think there's there's a difference. Yeah. Well, is there a difference? I don't really? know if there's a difference. Yeah. So the really, the, the really interesting thing is, is the criticism or the judgment or the advice, you know, how do you know what's in the heart of the person who's giving it? One way is for the person who's giving the advice to show you their heart. So if you if you post something that says, you know, you shouldn't do X, and that's the entirety of the words that you type, then how am I supposed to know? But if you, if you and this is very American, Israelis, you know, don't do this kind of softening of what they say. It wasn't an Israeli living comment. It doesn't matter. My point is I'm, I'm married to one, and that's why I'm, I'm bringing it up. If you were to say, listen, I, I feel bad, you know, posting this message to you, and I, I, I know that it's going to seem hurtful, but I'm only saying it because I care. You really should do X instead of Y because of whatever. I, I don't know how much of it, it, it makes a difference. I think it would make a difference to me. Uh, give a give a compliment today, you guys. It's it just gives good energy it's to true. the world. Um, Incidentally, I, you're looking quite large, uh, muscular these days. Thank uh, you. My husband's working, working out, out a pride. particularly large amount. I mean, I'm just giving a compliment. Pride. He looks good. Stop shimmying. He's shimmying, which is not good. Not a good look. Uh, but yeah. SQR.com. Next week, you guys, we have um, uh, the Father's Day episode, which is uh, Alex is really excited about. And I have a really exciting uh, announcement about a free download that we're going to give you guys on, on the website. So make sure you're on our mailing list. You can just go to daddysqr.com and sign up to the mailing list in order for you to get, to get it for free. Um, it's cute and it's funny and we love it and we're going to tell you what it is next week. Oh, also in an upcoming episode, we are going to demand that you vote on some things that we really need your input about. Very important, critically important, up there at presidential election levels. These are a few of my favorite things. My favorite things. Oh, what you it's got? back. What you it's, got? It's back. What is it? I want to tell you something. I realize that I'm obsessed with pure pomegranate juice obsessed the pure stuff is undrinkable so it's just a squeezed pomegranate i bought it through amazon just because the the grocery store next doesn't sell it you know why it doesn't sell it because it tastes bad yeah but it's so healthy so let me tell you this so i don't know if you guys know that i've conducted a research on fruit couple of months ago and I don't mean that kind of yes yes Um, and so turns out that pomegranate it's kind of known for boosting natural testosterone in men so you know I decided to check it out you can inject the pomegranate into your ass (laughs) I decided to check it out and I I can tell you this it's I I, I have no idea if it's working or not I I made it kind of Uh, regular in my routine. Um, it doesn't have a lot of calories. It's a superfood. It's considered a superfood, a pomegranate. So the the juice is kind of nice. So it's so thick that it's it's kind of like wine. And yes, Alex said it doesn't taste good, but you know, that's life. You have to suffer in order to look good and to feel good at the end. Um, so I think I kind of used to it. So I recommend people, other people to try it. This episode not brought to you by the Pomegranate Council of wherever, but it could be. <laughs> 
So yeah, um, I'll post the link of the exact bottle that I buy. But you know, any kind of 100%, not from concentrate, pomegranate juice, try it. <laughs> I, I do not have a, 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 you know, least favorite things item this week because I'm just in the kind of mood where, you know, it's gay pride weekend. I'm pretty happy. It's just the booze. I shall booze. There will be booze. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. Um, and make sure you drop us a line at hello at daddysqr.com or on Instagram at the Gay Dads Podcast. Right. Happy Thanks. Pride. That is good. Is it the time that we get mushy? Oh, sure. You can no, mush. Can. Mush. Mushy. Mush. Um, I just want to say that you're so funny and I love you very much. And oh. you're very handsome. Oh. And I'm glad I married you. And I'm proud of you. I didn't prepare any material. In no, it wasn't prepared. <laughs> I'm just saying that. I'm very lucky, and I'm very lucky to and, be doing and, this with you. I love this thing we're doing. And um, I also want to say thank you to our couples therapist, because this time, five years ago... Oh, yeah, not good. We Yeah, we almost broke up. Yeah, not good. Not good. Yeah. So, thank you, Mark, Go, for Mark. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>about becoming a dad, surrogacy is an amazing way to grow your family. Circle Surrogacy has successfully made the dream of parenthood a reality for gay singles and couples from across the U.S. and around the world for over 20 years. The surrogacy process and surrogacy costs can be complex. Circle's experienced staff will partner with you on your path to parenthood. Circle Surrogacy was founded on the belief that everyone should have the opportunity to become a parent, and they've helped bring almost 2,000 babies into this world. Circle Surrogacy makes parenthood possible for gay dads. Learn more at circlesurrogacy.com.